All right, got a great interview for you today. We've got Seb Twadell, who just absolutely exploded onto the world long drive scene earlier this year. I remember we were talking about it here on the podcast. We saw the world records going back and forth between some of the big names, Kyle Berkshire, Martin Borgmeier, and then Seb explodes onto the scene sets the world uh, record for ball speed and club speed with one swing, and it stands to this day. So I'm excited to get him on. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys don't know the name, he's the guy who double pumps and kind of swings twice with his driver, and he's huge. He's massive, and he's only 22 years old. So he's got a huge career lined up for him. I'm excited to talk to him. Young guy, lots of potential. Let's bring Seb Twedell on the show now. All right, so we're excited because we've got world long drive athlete Seb Twedell joining us on the show right now. Seb, welcome to the Golf Podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And and first, what I want to do is give a little bit of a background for our listeners because one thing I'll say is it seemed like you, for us on the outside looking in, it seemed like you exploded onto the scene earlier this year. Um, and it was incredible just to kind of see you come out of nowhere. And we, I want to talk about some of the, the records and things like that. But for us, it seems like coming out of nowhere. From your end, I'm sure it's not. So tell us a little bit of your background and how you got into golf and eventually into long drive. Yeah, so um, originally I'm from Australia and I've lived there for like my whole life. So 22 now. And yeah, for those 21 years of my life being there. Um, yeah, golf-wise, I started when I was like 10 years old, just to picked up a club, sort of fell in love with the sport and did that for about 10 years. Um, got to a, like a fairly high-level competitive amateur sort of level. And then from there, it was sort of, I had one pro event. It was my first pro event ever. I was actually at my home club as well. And I think I had the worst round I've ever played. I missed the cut by miles. I was like, oh, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And then all of a sudden I saw like a long drive thing on um, Instagram. And I, I was like, oh, fine. And like, I've always been sort of fast on course as well. Um, I was cruising around like 133, 135 mile an hour. So I was like, let's just give this a go for some fun. Did a speed session, maxed out at 148.3, I think it was, and which was what I later realized was okay speed-wise. And, yeah, from there, I literally, same thing as golf, fell in love with the sport. And it was from that session, March 10th of last year, where I, like, committed to becoming the best in the world and um, doing everything I can to achieve that, win titles, win world championships. And, yeah, here we are today. And now is... is all of your focus into long drive or are you still retaining a piece for golf more traditionally you know uh, those that you know competing in professional events outside of long drive just in traditional golf tournaments or is it all focused on long drive now yeah just also just long drive now um i did i have like experiment doing like a bit of bit more golf and i just found i just get into bad swing habits like the swing gets shorter and then you're practicing at those slower speeds as well, which is probably not the best thing in terms of speed gains overall for the sport of long drive. So it's one of those things where I feel like it's pick and choose. And yeah, you prioritize one over the other. And long drive seems to be the, uh, the better option for me anyway. I want to talk about this like it's becoming so popular now. I'm just seeing it. it's like your trademark, the double pump. We're going to talk about that in a sec. But I got I to gotta ask you about... Um, 
I got to be regular golf. What's your game like off the world Because I've only seen you just smash golf balls. And before we you talk about the even, I want to give the audience a little bit of a back. You were talking about a record, Frank, before. When you exploded on the scene, there was kind of like a back and forth going on with like Kyle Berkshire, Martin Borgmeier. And there was a speed record. There was ball speed, club speed. And then you just showed up, like Frank said. <laughs> and you just blew it out. What were those numbers? Tell our audience, what were those numbers? And do they still hold? Have you done better than that? Has anyone beat those since? Yeah, so my ball, I've got the ball speed world record at 240.8 mile an hour and then the club speed record at 169.6. So that was a, that was a crazy week for the sport of long driving speed. Like there was, uh, there was Kyle Martin and also Ryan Gregnell. Like everyone was just going back and forth. Like they seemed breaking the record like every day. And then it was my, um, it was actually my last session before flying over to the States to do event two here. And I, I knew I had to do it then, otherwise someone else would do it or I just wouldn't be able to do it. And, and then, um, yeah, it just clicked towards the end of the session and those two numbers popped up. And, um, and you always try to yeah. just keep beating it in your sessions? That yeah, that's like yep. Exactly, just keep beating it. Whatever number comes up, you're just trying to get that one mine out quicker and just keep that sort of like progression going throughout the session and just max out as, yeah, as high as you can. Yeah. And what I find so cool about it is that there's so many great, talented guys in long drive now that I feel like it, it elevates the entire thing because you guys have like this friendly kind of competition. And I think when you do have guys who are pushing each other, it kind of helps elevate the record in general. Instead, it was just one standout guy who was the only guy doing it. So I think that that's really cool. But the, what makes me wonder is, do you feel like, is there like a ceiling to this when it comes to, you know, ball and club speed? Uh, and, and if not, like, is there a limitation? What do you think the limitations are? Is it physicality? Is it equipment? Or do you think we're just going to continue to see that 1% better, like into infinite, you know, infinitely, it just keeps getting better and better. Like what is your kind of future prediction look like? That, yeah. I don't see any reason why like physically there's any cap on like a certain speed you can hit um in terms of equipment i'd say that would be the only limiting factor like getting a ball and a club head that can actually like survive at those speeds is um like we just don't know at this like point if a club and ball can handle like 260 ball speed it's just mm. 20 mile an extra more than what it is now so whether that club head lasts like one hit and then is dead or breaks that's um something we just have to find out but i just i honestly have no no ceiling or cap on um, speed at all. I feel like you can just keep getting that one percent better, and it's um and yeah, like you said, all the talented players now coming through, they keep pushing that, and you got to get better because you don't want them to catch up to you, and it just keeps fueling that sort of competitive edge, and yeah, speed just keep getting higher. Yeah, it certainly makes it entertaining for us to watch. And the other thing, equipment wise, I noticed the driver use at least appears to have a lot of flex. Now that could also just be because of your speed that it's, it's flexing so much, but like, what's the thinking there? Like, uh, cause we always think in regular golf, as we get fit, usually the, the shafts get kind of stiffer with faster swing speeds, but I know this is a, a different animal altogether. So yeah. Like what are your driver specs? Yeah. How does that work with the, the yeah. shaft? Uh, especially. Yeah. It's, so it's a little different. Tell, like, sorry to interrupt you, but if you can tell us how tall are you? Six, Six seven. I was six six. Like when I did the record, I've actually grown another inch somehow. So I have no idea where that's come from. Twenty two. Yeah. So I feel like we're reaching that sort of height cap soon. So 
Okay, Fingers crossed. So, <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> so but I'm getting yeah, driver specs. Yep. So I've got a 48, 47 and three quarter inch shaft. And yeah, for long drive, Flexi is actually better in terms of speed. So the one I used to break the record, that was a, it's counted as a 38 gram shaft, but it's more like a 44 gram shaft. And yeah, that's like, I'd say the equivalent to a senior flex, maybe a little softer than a senior flex. It's just ridiculously like soft and whippy. Mm -hmm. It's like my first two swings taken aback, I actually had to stop the swing at the top because I didn't, I moved my hands back and the club head was still at the ball. That's how whippy it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that one's, that's pretty crazy. But I can, my normal game on the grids are hypersonic 20 and that's more like a stiff or regular flex. Gotcha. And well, and, and speaking about taking it to the top, let's talk about what Mike mentioned earlier. Kind of your signature move is almost this like double pump that you do. So where yeah. did that where did that come about? Was it something that was very calculated in, in, in something you're trying to do? Or did you just feel it one time and do it and it and then just kind of it worked and go with it? Like how did that get worked into your swing? Yeah, so that was actually something we came up with or my um coach back in Australia, Craig Parker, came up with during one of the sessions. So my, when I used to get to the top of my swing, my arms would collapse into my body. I'd go that way and down. And I just wasn't using my like long levers at all. And in terms of speed, it wasn't as efficient. At the time I was maxing out at 158 mile an hour. So he said, um, go to the top, plant the left heel, keep the right arm wide, which is what my feeling is during the pump, keeping the arms wide as far away from the body as possible. And my first swing doing that, it jumped up seven mile an hour from the previous swing. And it just felt good as well. It felt like I could control it. it felt like effortless speed as well because I was using my levers properly. And then, yeah, from there, he, he decided to just let's max out. Let's see how fast we can get this. And then I think it was two sessions later, we got up to that 160 mark. So the first person to break 160. And then from there, we just kept pushing, pushing. And then, yeah, eventually to those speeds. And yeah, here we are today. You still have a double pump on the grid as well. I was going to say, at, at that point, there's definitely no looking back when you get that type of result so quickly. Seb, when did you start? When did that happen? When did that first happen in your life that this double pump? Was it this year? Or have you been doing that? It was actually before the, yeah, this year, before the second event. Um, so that would have been, what was that? That would have been end of March. End of March. So, so this is did really event one in Nevada. Yeah, this is pretty new. This is probably, 17 18 weeks old so it's fresh doing that yeah my um another like fellow australian long driver matt stubbs who i actually travel with and uh like live with back over there he, he does it as well so we both have the same coach back home and that's um yeah he's seen some good results from that as well so he'll keep pushing that but yeah double pump just seems move. to click it's different yeah, yeah. it just like yeah. sequences everything up for us like because the left heel plants, which brings the arms down, so it's not like you're pulling down and just getting stuck or whatever. It just gets everything in the right position, and then from there you can, you literally don't even need to think after that first pump. You just go back to the top, and it just happens. It just gets out of the way. So it's a cheat code, really, really. <laughs> you gotta love a good cheat code, especially when you're working at that level. And like you said, like a one percent difference makes the difference possibly of winning or losing an event. You're like looking for new ways and different ways to approach it. Um, but speaking of that training, like 
I would imagine there's an art to training for this particular sport because a, it's so taxing on the body. Like you don't, I mean, you got to walk a line between getting better and getting stronger and not injuring yourself. But I'd also imagine, I imagine now you have a lot of resources, but like when you start out, it's got to be a tough sport to get into from training because a, there are not a lot of driving ranges that are as long as you need it to be, at least here in the States. Maybe I don't know in Australia if it's different. Yeah. No, Australia's even worse. Not that long. Is it? (laughs) See, I, yeah, I think that, and I think like ripping through screens all day in simulators. So, like, I guess I know it's two questions, but kind of like when you're starting out, was that a challenge? And then now, how do you walk that line of training and and pushing yourself without injuring yourself? Yeah. So, like starting out, I remember the my one of my first few sessions, I started out with like thirty balls, just max out, and I remember after that, just feeling like. Wow, this is I'm like tired. This is an actual workout. Just from like hitting 30 balls as hard as I could. And then eventually a few weeks later, I got up to like a hundred balls and then 150 balls. And then I think the most balls I hit in one session was 273. Like that was in the first few months of doing long driving. That was um let's just say I was sore for a few days after that. But um yeah, and then after that I actually I actually moved up to the Gold Coast. So originally from Sydney, moved up to the Gold Coast in November last year to live and train with Matt Stubbs and our coach Craig Parker up there. And while we we're up there, long drive sessions we did four four a week. And those first few months of the off season were really like just technical stuff, trying to ingrain certain patterns. And then as we got close to the first event, we started pushing speeds more and that was the focus. So yeah, in total four long drive sessions a week, uh, two hours of recovery each day. And then on top of that, there's during the off-season five gym sessions a week as well. And then daily like mindset work, work with our um, mindset coach, Bradley Charles Stubbs back home. So there's a lot of, it's, we treat it as a full-time, full-time job and commitment. So in total, it was 60, 70 hours a week during that off-season. And yeah, everything's just planned out just so you keep progressing. Like you said, don't get injured. And just having a team around you who knows who the best in their field to look after you and make sure you're doing the right things is, um, yeah, huge. Hey, we're excited to share with you guys exclusive opportunities from Titleist, but to be part of them, you have to join Team Titleist. Team Titleist gives you access to opportunities like prototype testing, special events of which we've attended a few and they're always absolutely fantastic. Plus, they've got limited edition gear from Titleist and so much more. So sign up and join us on Team Titleist at titleist.com slash team titleist. That's one word, titleist.com slash team titleist. We will see you there. And big thanks to FootJoy. We want to talk about the MyJoys and the experience of creating your own golf shoe because it's incredibly fun. I mean, FootJoy has a software on their website where you go and you basically create the shoes from start to finish and you show your style with a wide selection of premium leathers, the custom options that they have are endless. I wonder if anyone ever counted up all the options. Yeah, I know. Right? It's like, what are what is the total number of combinations? It seems unlimited. It's unlimited. I'm going to yeah. have to count it one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but <laughs> we might be there for a while because, guys, there's a ton of different things. And each pair of MyJoys, they're made to your exact specifications. You could create a shoe that's as unique as you are. I mean, you can have your own DNA in it and no one else. It'll be that one-of-one one shoe out there for you. So do it. Play with it. Even if you don't go through and buy it, I know you probably end up we'll end up buying it. It's going to look so pretty. Yeah. But go play with the uh, FootJoy MyJoys tool. Go to FootJoy.com. Get nuts. Have some fun with it. And yeah, send us some photos of it if you want because it is fun to do. 
All right, let's get back to our interview with Seb Twadell. I see, like at least from, from watching on social media, I see you traveling a lot. Is that largely for long drive or is there other reasons you're, you're traveling? Like are you for, for, I know you're even doing some stuff of like, I guess you want to call it like content creation for social media and things like that. But it seems like you're living on the road a lot. Is that true? It is. Yeah. So I'm pretty much living out of a suitcase. Whatever I have in there is what I actually have. <laughs> but um, yeah, always on the, always on the road. It's, um, I actually just got back from London a few days ago just to reset the visa, which was fun leaving the country for a week, coming back and doing that with the girlfriend, which is nice as well. Spent time with her over there. And, but yeah, seems to be traveling on a, on a plane every one to two weeks to go to an event, coming back. And I've actually only just recently started basing Miami's like home base, which has been good. So I started training from a gym out here um, called The Stable with Aaron McConnelly. So that's been good. Um, and then range-wise, a lot of, lot of big ranges down here in Florida, which is perfect. Mm. Outdoor ranges, working ball flight, that sort of stuff, and track man, simulators, all that stuff, so push speed. So it's, Florida seems to be the place to be for long drive as well as golf. Yeah, big big ranges, and I imagine on airplanes, plenty of leg room for a guy as tall as yourself. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get to that first class price range. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, is that the ultimate goal? Speaking of that, like financially, like this path, is it is it a combo of the social media growth, the world long drive? You want it? You want an event? For me, I don't even know what that type of stuff pays someone like you that that event out in Mesquite. So. Is that the ultimate goal or is there more to it for you? Yeah, that's the that's the end goal pretty much for me. Um, just getting that number one in the world and world championship mm -hmm. titles, all the titles and just being known as one of the greatest players of all times. And yeah, financially, now I can see that being an option doing that full time. So with World Long Drive, just coming back into the scene, um, not this event, the event after is, is actually the first one that's going to be televised again in Tennessee, so which is awesome. So from there on, each event's gonna be televised, which is gonna be just huge for the sport of long driving. So a few exciting things coming next year in terms of behind the scenes stuff, which will just keep growing the sport even more and get bigger sponsors in, which is good for everyone. More viewership, more sponsor dollars, so players can do this full time. And yeah, it's just a bad cycle where it just goes. And But yeah, right now it's sort of just, it's been like a grind to Grinding out these first few start of the season to those televised events where the purses are a bit bigger. It's like mm. that sort of investment into that later part of the season. Right. Yeah, and I was going to ask because, you know, I, I, I'm glad to see some more televised events. I think the the proof is there that there's interest from the viewers, especially when it comes to like the World Long Drive Championship. And it's been every, seemingly growing every year. But since they're not all televised, I don't have a full grasp on the schedule. So, what does that look like? How many events are you competing in like each season? Yeah, so this year there's been a total of, I believe it's 11 events with Underworld Long Drive. Uh, 10 or 11. all over the world? Like, no, these, these ones are all in America. Yeah, these ones are all the stateside. Um, I did do one event in Germany, uh, what was that, the start of April, um, but that was under a different federation. So World Long Drive Federation is the main and this sort of, um, yeah, the big boss when it comes to that sort of stuff. But so um, yes, yeah, in terms of look like now, like yeah. the next couple of months, where are you headed? I've got a event up in uh, Utah in two weeks, and then got a quick photo shoot with one of my sponsors, Ripstick, 
and then we head down to Tennessee again for yeah that first televised event, and then after that, I'm, I'm, there's a few weeks between mining California, and then after that is World Champs in October. So that'll be in Atlanta this year, which will be good. And so it's really much just trying to peak for that late event, World Champs, and which is the biggest event of the year and well, the most prestigious title as well. No, I don't. I don't believe so. He's um. I'm pretty sure he's focusing just more on uh, on normal golf at the moment. Uh, I haven't seen or yeah, heard much about his speed training or um, yeah, what his plans are in terms of that. But he still swings, still swings it crazy, crazily quick. Yeah, which is impressive. No doubt. No doubt. And and for someone, Bryson made me think of this. For someone who has excelled at the game of golf and at long drive, for our listeners who are you know maybe not. In, not going to ever themselves get into long drive, but are playing golf regularly. Like what's something that they can maybe learn or what's something maybe that you've even learned in long drive that you feel like is more broadly applicable to golf? Like, is there a certain amount of speed training that you would suggest to regular golfers? Or is there some takeaway where one can kind of help the other one talent can help the other? Yeah. I feel like they, they both can help each other in certain ways. Uh, going from long drive to golf, like to golf again, I'd say a regular golf, they do like two speed sessions a week, anywhere from like 30 to 40 balls. They could slowly taper up from there. But during those speed sessions, what they want to do is just hit the balls with max intensity. So not worrying where it goes, just swing as fast as you can, swing out your shoes. And if you have, ideally, you have like a some launch monitor where you can track your speed and track your progress. Because um, being able to see a number after you swing and then trying to consciously beat that number the next swing is huge in terms of gains and speed gains. And then in terms of golf back to long drive, just that aspect of being a good ball striker really does help when you're up in the grid, being able to hit certain shot shapes, control trajectory a bit more as well. It, um, they both feed into each other in certain ways, but I'd say, I'd say the speed aspect is more important for going back to normal golf. Yeah, for sure. So, for you, I know you mentioned earlier one of your personal goals is getting to that world number one spot. Do you have any other goals that you've set for yourself in the near term? Is there a certain ball or club speed goal that you're chasing after? Is there a certain distance uh, just drive that you want to hit that you feel like would be like that next big level that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, so in terms of club and ball speed, I've actually had this number written down in our fridge back home. Where it's, uh, I won't say what it is, just for until until we hit it, because that was the that was right. the deal agreement. But um, I'll say it's a lot higher than what it currently is. And um, but yeah, that's obviously that's another goal as well, being the fastest person in the world, and that's another accolade to keep and keep pushing. But um, yeah, right now, just long drive and doing all those things is my like the one goal I'm focusing on. Just do all that now and keep pushing that and then we'll worry about it worry about the rest after there's one thing seb i gotta ask you though is i think people should be able to ask you do you don't double pump on the course do you i do with driver i do with my driver not i can't say I do with my irons i tried it once does not work at all so do not do it with iron the wedges <laughs> just thin and chunk every shot yeah it's brutal yeah, yeah. but um no. on course is actually really imagine. good practice for a long drive that's i found sure. that Take the long drive out, double pump. I don't even have a three wood. I don't even have a set of clubs over here. I just I just borrow a set. 
Like it's yeah. um, traveling with a set of irons and a putter really weighs the bags down, so it costs a little That's extra. Star, so just, let's just use ten drivers in the bag. We'll keep that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But realistically, like when you do travel, how many drivers do you normally travel with for a competitive event? I carry around. What is right now in my bag? I've probably got fifteen different shafts and. I've only got four heads at the moment. That's, I do need to put a new order in for heads with um, with my my guy Chris Apex Golf over in Hawaii. He um, he looks after us with shafts and club heads. So need some freshies. The um, ones we've got now seem to be a bit worn out and dead. So get the new ones. Get the ball speeds up a bit and yeah, push it. How how long does like a, a driver head traditionally last you before like I remember saying before like we're on that cusp of maxing out equipment and breaking them. Like does it last you like do you have a certain number of balls you feel like at that point you just retire it or how's that work yeah i was actually speaking to chris about this the other day it's um we started to agree on after around three to five hundred hits that's when the head starts to get a little flat so that bulge and roll just goes down a little bit and you might see ball speed start to drop dispersion rate starts to increase a little bit and then after a certain point it just goes like flat Actually, I've never cracked a, I haven't cra- cracked a cowboy head yet. It just goes flat and ball speed is just, they're just lower. I'd have anywhere around that three to 500 hit mark, we turn them into training heads and then we'll keep safe, fresh heads for competition or ball speed or speed sessions and that sort of stuff. Fresh heads. And, and do you guys find like you and your coach and your team, do you track a lot of data on your, your equipment in that regard? Is it like, is it, is this like, in general, the sport, because we see like with golf, it's becoming so data heavy. Do mm. you do you find the same in, in long drive? For sure, yeah. So actually keep like a hit count on each head so you know exactly how many hits it's had. Um, we've got the weights and like how the lie angle, the, the loft of each head is well written down so we can see if certain ones last a bit longer, if certain ones feel a bit better, work a bit better, that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, and in terms of data as well, in, even back in training back home, we'd track every shot on the track band. So you'd have that number for every single shot you hit. And then we also had every single swing on video. So somewhere out there on the cloud, there's a huge storage of swing videos from uh, those six months of the off season. I can imagine. Taking up an enormous <laughs> amount of space. space. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, talk about storage space. I can only imagine. Well, listen, Seb, listen, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. It's been it's been a pleasure kind of getting to know you and, and talking about that, how you train and stuff. And uh, we wish you the, the best of luck for the rest of the season and really looking forward to, to seeing you out there performing, as you as you mentioned, more of these televised events. And I think uh, it's just so cool to see what you're doing. I think it's a great moment for us as as fans to watch it because the, the sport has really been growing in per, in. in in popularity but also the competition has gotten so great with all the guys we mentioned earlier and like yourself it's just uh it's fun to watch so appreciate you coming on the show and uh wish you the best of luck in the season yeah no thank you thanks for having me on enjoyed it